welcome to the First Intuition Student Forum podcast. On this episode, myself and Dave are joined by John Block. He talks about his role as an impact skills lead tutor, and we share ideas on the key impact skills that will really get you noticed in the world of work in 2023 and beyond. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join us for a future show, you can register for them. There'll be a link in the podcast show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum and Podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, and I am joined again this evening by my good friend, colleague, fellow director and tutor, David Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Good evening, Ben. How has your week been this week? Um, really good, thank you. Really, really good. It's a bit wet this evening, as we've just been saying before we've gone on air. I've just got absolutely soaked running back to the office. But um, I've been doing a varied bits and pieces this week. I've been teaching some students online. So I've been working with some of our colleagues in London for a, a national firm of accountants doing some bookkeeping for them with online lessons, which was a, a reminder, actually. I hadn't done much online teaching since back in the days when we started the forum and podcast, when we were doing everything online. So um, it was quite good to get back into the swing of it. And I've had a really nice class doing basic bookkeeping, the debits and credits. That's been great. Um, today, I've been back to mine and your old sixth form college. I've been in Cambridge and I've been down the road at Hills Road Sixth Form College speaking to their year 13, their upper six, as we would have called it in our day, about various skills that they need to be thinking about as they move into the world of employment, either straight from sixth form college or after they've been to university. So I've had a great day speaking to five separate groups of year 13s. Excellent. And how is my old alma mater? Is it the same as I remember or, or have there been any changes there? There's, there's been a few changes. Um, Back in our day, and I think you were there maybe a year or so before me, but we used to the the kind of student zone. If you had a free period or you were around before or after college, we used to go down to a place called the basement. Do you remember the basement? It was kind of underneath. It was quite dark. There wasn't any windows down there. It really was down in the basement, but it was quite trendy if you were down in the basement as a student. Um, it's still there. They call it the forum now. They've rebranded it, but it, it is still there. I did get to go. They've got a brand new wing that's just been built and it's um, three stories. And on the top floor, they've turned it into their staff room and they've got a phenomenal staff room of views over Cambridge. And they've even got a terrace up there where you could sit out. Not today because the weather's been quite ghastly, but you could sit out and have your your morning cup of coffee as a tutor on break sitting on a, a terrace. But there were bits I remembered, but there were lots of changes, obviously. Wow. So a lot, I like the fact that the basement is still there. I do remember when I was there, there was a, a jukebox that played seven inch records. I'm assuming that's been moved out in favour of some more modern form of music. Yeah, I, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I'm not even sure it was there in my day, Dave, mate. So um, they, they maybe got rid of it as soon as you left. <laughs> I didn't leave that far that far before you joined so I, I assume it probably was there but you just didn't recognize what it was because things had changed since then possibly I was walking around in those days with um didn't even have a discman I think I think that was the year one of my mates got a sony mini disc player that's aged me isn't it do you remember mini discs Dave they never really took off this was I, I had a mini disc player pre-ipod days but a mini disc and mini discs were quite expensive to buy yes I had a, I had a mini disc player they were they were brilliant I I completely skipped having a disc man though. I went from a Walkman with a cassette straight to a mini disc player. Oh well, no, I I did have a discman. Um, but but for those of you that have never come across the concept of a mini disc player, there we go. There's a bit of kind of takeaway from the podcast. Go and Google search Sony mini disc players and see what me and Dave were walking around listening to back in the day when we were six form students. Um, how's your week going? Good, good. We. This weekend was the start of the hockey season for, for me and the family. So we were all out um, hockeying. Um, and then it's been speaking to lots of clients this week. We've still got students that are joining us. We've got lots of new students that we're meeting. On Tuesday, I went and did something called networking, which is where I met with a group of other professionals. And we went to a, it was a kind of a, a, a nature reserve. And we spent the morning walking around and talking about business talking about the challenges that we faced in our work and it was a really thoroughly enjoyable morning something that I would thoroughly recommend that anyone that is looking for some kind of networking event to go to is a really nice thing to do 
particularly nice because you are walking and I always find it a lot easier to have those kind of conversations with people that you haven't met before when you're walking alongside them rather than kind of face-to-face kind of getting those awkward silences when you don't quite know what to say so it's a really nice way to get to know people and find out about their businesses. That's the the very spirit of multitasking, isn't it? You, you're kind of doing a number of things there. You're getting some exercise. You're getting your steps up. If you're a, a counter of your daily steps, that's a great way to get your steps up and get some physical exercise outside. But you're right. It's quite nice to have other things going on because it just gives topics of conversation when you get those awkward pauses and silences. They're not as noticeable, are they, if you're outside in the fresh air? So well done. Go and check out the groups. I think you've mentioned these before on previous episodes of the podcast. Great to hear they're still going. Um, yep. Good turnout. Are they still as popular as ever? There was about 20 people there, so it was quite good. Um, it is unfortunately the last one for this year because as the, the weather is turning, people don't really want to be outside quite as much. So we have to wait now till March, I think, for the next one. There we go. Obviously, the, the, the weather will put a, a bit of a, a spanner in the works for lots of things. I was just visualising maybe taking a class of students out for a walk and doing one of our lessons, kind of walking along the street, pointing out points of reference that you could tie into the various areas of management or financial accounting we are teaching. We've got a guest tonight. Um, Really great to have him on. He just said this is the first. It feels like John's been on before, but he really hasn't, or he's told me he hasn't. And now thinking back, I can't remember an episode. But um, it feels like you're already a friend of the podcast, John, even though you've you've never been on an episode. I know you've shared plenty of episodes with your classes. So I'm going to say good evening, John. If you'd like to quickly give us your backstory. Dave normally asks for a superhero backstory with how you have got your superpowers that you are demonstrating today. Yeah, it is actually my first time on the podcast so it's good to uh good to be here um but uh thanks for that introduction uh yeah so um, my name's john um i'm the uh impact skills lead for the impact skills program in um cambridge uh and uh my job is to deliver and facilitate all of our impact skills program uh ses- skill sessions to all of our uh, apprentices that we have on on program um across our four centers uh, over out of Cambridge, so Cambridge, Peterborough, Ipswich, and uh, and Norwich. Um, so I come into my role really. I've been previously was a skills tutor, so I was the only one delivering the the courses. Um, and now I'm delivering it alongside um, a colleague of mine, which is which is great. Um, previously to, to sort of being involved in the Impact Skills program and and, and delivering that over the past sort of couple of years now. Um, I was I've been at FI for four and a half years, and previously to that, I was a skills and development coach. Uh, so I was working in apprenticeships when I joined uh, back in I think it was May 2019. Now, um, so uh, yeah, feels fair fair while ago, fair, fair long time ago. But um, yeah, good good to have uh, been involved in the apprenticeships and and understand a bit more about those, and then that's helped me really to sort of carry on and get involved in the role that I'm in. Um, today delivering the, the the ISP to our to our learners across the across those centers so you've you've used the term ISP a couple of times for for anybody that is an apprentice with first intuition hopefully you'll know what John's talking about but for those of you that aren't we're talking about our impact skills program and it's actually quite an important point to make that we talk about these things as impact skills these are things that employers And as part of the apprenticeship programme, the government have signed off on in consultation with employers, things that are seen as really vital skills these days for people in the the modern workforce. They're all tailored for the various levels and the qualifications. So the ones that we cover are more fine tuned to people working in the world of accountancy and finance. But a lot of these skills actually are umbrella transferable skills that mean once you've developed them you can use them in other aspects of your life and actually transfer them across um, other roles for the rest of your career we're going to talk more about those this evening but I just wanted to ask you John I I know John um, John's a really great bloke anyone that's been taught by John you'll know he's he's really great in the classroom Um, you've also got another big or a few other passions in your life but one of them that you do openly tell students in classes, you are also um, a, a football official to quite a high standard. I wondered if you wanted to just talk a little bit about that for any football fans. You might have even seen John on the telly. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I am a football 
official um, for my uh, for my sins, maybe. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's something I've been passionately doing now for around. Uh, well, I'm actually I've actually just just started this season is my twentieth season of being a football official. So I started back uh, when I was aged uh, age fourteen. Seems uh, a long, long time ago now. In the local uh, local parks of junior football um, up in North Suffolk, um, and and I've made it all the way. Um, so far, really, hopefully, uh, still got a little bit further to go. I've made it, made it through to the what people would may recognise as the National League, uh, which was the old conference uh, back a few, few many moons ago, but has now been rebranded as the National League. And uh, yet, yeah, as Ben says, does uh, does appear on on television, uh, BT Sport. I think it's now called TNT Sports. Now cover uh, the National League normally one game a week. Um, so I have been known to being. Uh, Having some office banter on a Monday morning, having been uh, uh, running up and down the line on a, on a national league game on the weekend, but uh, yeah, that's something I passionately passionately do, um, and I think um, that has given me so many different skills to not only bring into the workplace and bring into so the role that I do now, but also given me the opportunity to um, support and develop other people and think about different skills they need to develop and improve. Um, that they could maybe, you know, transfer away from um, the, the world of work uh, as well. And there's so many different things that obviously cross over and transfer from one um, to, a, to another. It's, it's really great. It gives you another um, way to explain things, I guess, another way that you can relate them. Obviously, lots of stuff we do are really important skills for current job roles, and particularly, as I say, in the world of finance. But actually being able to transfer those skills into the world of sport, whether it's refereeing a football match, whether it's coaching a team, whether it's um, playing for a team, all of those are great ways that you can showcase those skills. You can practice them. You can embed them in other aspects of your life. And we've had a bit of a chat off air this evening and picked five that, that we see in the um, Impact Skills programme. Just for the benefit of anybody that's not studying under the apprenticeship, John, could you just quickly explain how the ISP programme works? These are not additional exams students do, are they? They are, are workshop days. How, how do we, we structure the programme for them? Yeah, so we, we have a programme that um, requires students as part of their apprenticeship to attend five workshop sessions per um, level of apprenticeship that they're, they're studying. So, for, for example, say a typical level four um, apprentice would would attend their their normal technical uh, PQ qualifications and, and sit their exams for, for level four uh, but they would also attend as part of their apprenticeship um, five workshop impact skill sessions they would come in into the center for a day and uh, they can range from a very variety of different topics really around something around digital or communication or uh, problem solving we do some on uh, leadership. So a wide range of, uh, of different uh, skills um, and behaviours that they, they're able to, to develop. Um, the apprentice has uh, quite a large um, say, really, in the, the sessions and the, the workshops that they choose. So they're able to, to, to pick those at the beginning of their, of their programme. Uh, and they do that in conjunction with their skills and development coach and with us at First Intuition and also their employer. And try to give themselves five well sort of rounded uh, units to attend, sessions to attend that don't all cover the same things, but give them a bit of a variety, um, either building on skills and behaviours that they think they're quite strong in at the moment, that they're trying to maybe push on to a further level, um, or maybe skills and behaviours that they think they haven't had much opportunity to develop previously, or they feel they might be a bit weaker in, and therefore um, they're able to do that. And the Impact Skills Programme, is tiered at different levels. So we have four levels of the programme. Um, you can start at uh, what we call classes uh, introductory. And we have five units there. We have another seven units, what, what we next call core. Uh, then we move up to advanced. And again, we have another range of five to six units uh, at the advanced stage. And then we finish off with one final unit under professional, which is our professional development um, two-day course, which actually me and Ben are, are in Norwich for on Friday with uh, 19 uh, students in Norwich completing their professional development at level seven. So um, quite a range and people can um, 
come in at different levels of the of the impact skills program you don't have to just sort of pigeonhole themselves to one level and you know pick introductory and stay at introductory they could do a mixture of introductory and core um, modules or core and advanced uh, and uh, and then work their way through the impact skills program the same way they do their technical um, professional qualifications so someone could go from level three to level four to level seven and at each of those levels attend five different units from the impact skills program so um, yeah hopefully that gives everybody a little bit of a flavor of what we do and uh, and what the impact skills program is they are fabulous sessions I, I love coming along when i get the invite to come and join you and, and share in some of those sessions and see see the students um they really do complement the technical study and technical qualifications so students on a, a standard aat program will do potential modules in financial accounting they will do modules in management accounting they will do modules in business. They will do modules in tax. All of those really important skills in our world of accountancy and finance. But quite often they are skills that you can't necessarily take back to work immediately because your role maybe does not cover elements of tax or maybe your role does not cover elements of management accounts. They are very kind of broad in the, the spectrum of accounting technical content. These impact skills are much more transferable and something I love on the workshop programs are seeing students talking and thinking as they leave the building how they can actually go and start working on this stuff potentially at work tomorrow. These are impact skills that they can really start working on, acting on and very importantly are noticed by employers. So if you're out there on an apprenticeship, you'll be doing these. If you're not, doesn't mean these skills are not important to you. And I would encourage you to listen to the ones we're going to talk about this evening because we've picked five that we're going to talk about in a bit more detail because these are really great things for you to be able to evidence that you have got experience of. You could maybe ask for experiences at work. You can build on these skills because they're really things employers in 2023 will notice and really recognise so if you're applying for roles, these are great things to talk about your own experiences of. If you're within a role and you want to develop further, these are great things to work on in your job role. So we picked five when we were having our quick chat before we came on air this evening. Shall we have a look at our first um, impact skill? Um, the first one that we picked was problem solving. John. What sorts of things do you see from students when you are running your workshop sessions on problem solving? What are some of the things you observe or see them taking away from those sessions? Yeah, we run, um, well, we actually run two units which are more based around problem solving. So that that that, that gives them the opportunity to, to think about um, uh, things that might be, might be going, you know, going wrong, things we can develop, we can make better. Um, we actually run a couple where there's, uh, gives them the opportunity to make decisions throughout the day throughout the session um, on, on different things. One one is a, a, a restaurant style uh, theme, um, and they actually run that through run that through the day, and they make different decisions as they're going through the session. And, and we keep on coming back to um, you know reviewing the uh, the numbers, the data, the figures to see whether their restaurant is performing well, making a profit, or maybe in some cases doing not so well and they have to then look at maybe refining that and uh, and thinking about how they're going to develop that um, going forward. But yeah, I think problem solving is a really important skill, something that is really important for people to um, think about doing um, themselves. Often have, you know, here, here, here with students or work with students quite, quite frequently. And um, some might say, or, you know, there's not maybe not time to ask other people or, their manager might not be available or um, sometimes you're working from home and it's a bit difficult if you're remote. I think problem solving really lends itself to some of those situations where you can just think, OK, how am I going to um, develop, improve this, try and try and uh, uh, improve things going forward and actually take steps to do that yourself before maybe you get into the stage of maybe having to, to, to ask other people. So um, I think it's a really important skill to think about that individual uh, individualised development. Um, and also, I think as well, you know, within a within a team team environment, uh, again, you know, working out. Uh, another one, actually, just been been to a session today, observing um, my colleague, uh, or just watching my colleague for a short time, and doing a teamwork session. Um, and 
they were they were working in there the students were working in the room about who was going to undertake different teamwork tasks and who was better at certain ones and and actually uh, what order they were even going to do the tasks in what they could complete the, the tasks and the challenge in the quickest time and beat the other team so um, all things such as that i think are really 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 um, valuable uh, skills as well very practical. I know I've sat into the, the restaurant session you're mentioning, and from memory, that's one where students have to start changing some bits to see what impacts. And it's really interesting seeing them go through the process of changing some things that don't work and then building a bit of resilience to think, well, OK, let's go back then and, and think why that's not working and some things that really do work. And it's really great to see them in that safe space of, of one of your classrooms, John, being given the opportunity to kind of do a bit of trial and error and not being embarrassed to make mistakes. Dave, have you got any thoughts on, on problem solving for the modern accountancy student? Absolutely. I've been a qualified accountant for about, well, I've been working in accounts for 25 years and I've progressed to a point whereby it is very, very rare that I use those fundamental accounting skills that I learned 25 years ago. And if you look at what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, I would say over 50% of it is problem solving. Something has happened. Someone else doesn't know how to manage it, doesn't know how to deal with it because it's not normal. It comes to me. And if you're in a senior finance position, you will find your day is made up of solving problems where something has happened, something's gone wrong with a client, something's gone wrong with an invoice and a client's not happy and you've got to get to the bottom of it and you've got to find a way to deal with that issue and overcome that issue so it doesn't impact the business in a negative way. I think if you want to be successful in finance, you've got to learn how to deal with problems. I also think if you want to be successful in any business, you get further and further away from that thing that got you into that business and managing people and managing organizations is about problem solving. And then I love the other thing that you said, John, there about decision making. And you use the term decision making four or five times. Making good decisions is what sets apart you know, people that are really good and really successful from the, from the people that are less successful. And decision making is a skill in itself. And initially, when we're asked to make decisions, we normally make bad decisions. You know, if you think about children being introduced to making their own decisions, like, what do you want for tea tonight? I want sweets and crisps. Not really the best decision, but it's the decision that they would make. And it's only as you learn more about how to make decisions that you start to make really, really good decisions. And I would urge everyone listening to take time to think about the decisions that you make. Don't just say, oh, I'll do what you do and kind of divorce yourself from the decision-making process. Take an interest in the decisions you're being asked to make. Even if it is, where do you want to go to eat tonight? What restaurant do you want to eat at? What movie should we see? Now, instead of thinking, oh, I'll go to the one that you want to go to, just think, how do I make that decision? And go through the process of decision-making. And if you do it with little things, then when the big decisions need to be made, that's when you're confident you're going to make good decisions. Who better to talk about decision-making than a, a football referee or a, a football official? And the, the spotlight of some of those decisions, John, but you still have to make a decision. And hopefully you get it right most of the time. But clearly, human nature is sometimes we make the wrong decision. The more I'm looking at the list that we've come up with, the more I think actually these all complement each other because the next one segues very nicely along from that communication particularly important actually if you've got to communicate a decision or you've got to communicate a decision that's gone wrong um, and I'm sure on the touchline of many footballer field you've had to have some communications with with players that are slightly irate on a decision when your flag's gone up and they think it shouldn't have done but we won't talk so much about football let's talk about communication from the perspective of what you see in the classroom with our students. Yeah, I think um, communication is a really, really um, important one, I think. for um, I think the, the main thing I see with communication is people gaining confidence, um, gaining confidence to to use a variety of different communication styles within within sessions. And also from from the first session they attend to maybe the fourth or fifth session. Again, even just having confidence 
getting up to deliver a presentation and, and deliver some sort of verbal communication that they've that they feel a lot more confident in is, is really really good so yeah communication obviously is is massively important um but i think we also we also don't want to forget about um the, the other forms of communication as well we're, we're going to touch on something a little bit later because one one will run into the other in terms of sort of digital but visual communication i think again is really really important again delivering a session yesterday and we were talking about visual communication and how we how we might deliver um presentations or actually um, show data and information to, uh, to to other people. Okay, whether that's through a more formal presentation or just just delivering date, data and information to others, and how we actually produce that and communicate that effectively uh, to other people. What date do we choose to share? Uh, what date do we choose to, to present? Um, even going, you know, suffice to actually checking that the data is correct and actually is is valid before we even we even um, look to look to take that further and, and even analyze it or or, or even say put it into something a little bit more um uh, uh presentation style to, to to deliver so yeah i think i think all all the styles are really key um, again non-verbal communication um again really really important uh you know just just being able to to have you know, strong uh positive body language again a lot a lot i think read through confidence and doing things repetitively over and over again um trying things you know trying things and taking yourself out of your comfort zone and trying something for the first time is is great again i sort of heart back onto sort of presentations in class and, and we get you know the students to do quite a few of those on, on their time but it just just really does show those that do embrace it and try to, to get to get involved actually end up really do um you know taking themselves forward and onward and, and developing as many skills um, as, uh, as possible and then obviously we, we finish up with the final one written communication which yes more might be done now through various different different forms of digital and technology i think you know it's, there's still some really key basics that that people need to think about uh, with, with written communication in terms of um, you know key spell and punctuation and grammar being quite quite an important one but again you know just being able to construct a message construct an email ensuring that um, you know you're thinking about the sender and who it's going to and what what communication style they may prefer as well, um, again, is really, really important. So, so many, many considerations. I think we, we could probably talk about communication for, for the rest of the, the evening. But um, again, I think there's some really, really key things there, you know, in, in terms of um, very, really, really important. Um, and I think it's not just that verbal, it is thinking about all the other different forms that, that, that make that up. I love the fact that for those of you listening to the podcast, you won't get the benefit of this, but for the students that are live on Zoom, when you talked about body language, pretty simultaneously, me and Dave both started nodding our heads visibly on the camera. And it's something I spoke to the sixth form students that I was with today, talking about showing signs of active listening and a way you can kind of positively say, I'm with you, I'm understanding is to nod, is to smile at the right times. I think that's really, really important. I'm quite a simple individual, as a lot of people will testify. One of the sessions I love most, John, that I've sat in when you've been delivering it is when we get people to think about a suitable means and method of communication and really think, yeah, we've got so many ways we can communicate. We can have a chat with someone. We can pick up the phone. We can text. We can put it in a WhatsApp group. We can send an email. We could keep going and going and going. And one of the exercises I love is when you get people to kind of think, right, what would be the most appropriate in this situation? Because it's not a one size fits all form of communication. Dave, what's your thoughts on the key skill of communication in the modern world of accounting and finance? I just think if you want to have a great career and you want to progress within any business, you've got to communicate with various different people. So I'm assuming that we're training to be an accountant three, five, seven years time, however long it is, we're going to be qualified. We're going to have those letters behind us. And then we want our career to soar. And we want to be having those really nice senior positions, financial controller, financial director. Now, if you hold those positions, you've got to be able to communicate with so many people. So you're going to have a team of people that you're working with. And it's your job to make sure those that team of people are doing the right things at the right time. So you've got to have a certain style of communication to be able to make sure that they understand that message. But then you're also going to be working with another group of people in your management team who are not financially literate, literate like you are. And you're going to have to be able to explain 
why the accounts do the things that they do, what the impact of their decision is going to be on the financial performance of the business. And you're talking a whole different language to those people and being able to communicate with different groups of people and communicate effectively is so important. And if you can't do that, and we've all worked with people who don't have good communication skills and they don't tend to be at the top of an organization. They tend to find that their careers halt at a certain level. I think the only exception of that is when that person with poor communication skills builds their own business. And, and generally, that's the only reason they get to the senior position, because they own the business themselves. So it is something that if we want to progress, we have to be good at. And it doesn't mean that you need to be the world's best presenter. It means that you need to be able to be effective in the way that you manage people. And I've had so many different managers that have all had slightly different styles. And the best ones are the ones that identify how best to communicate with you. And they don't just use a, a catch-all method of communication for everyone and hope that everyone understands what they're saying, because it won't work. So having that idea of how different people receive your message is really, really important. And I think that really nicely leads on to point three, Ben, doesn't it? It really does. Um, there was no planning put into the list of five in an order, but they are flowing very, very nicely. So the third one on the list that we noted down was emotional intelligence. John, what, what do you see in the world of emotional intelligence in the, the sessions that you're running for apprentices? Yeah, I think what we, talk, we talked about one, I think, just before we came on, didn't we, around uh, em empathy. Um, and, and I think that I think that's, that's so important to, to understand um everybody else and, and often we talk about um we, we talk about sometimes um you know being in somebody else's shoes um which I, which is a very sort of often sort of coined phrase um around around empathy um it's actually interesting that that doing it doing a course last year um the the the, the trainer the presenter said um around sort of pandemic we had about everybody being in a different different boat but on the same ocean um in relation to empathy and i thought it was actually quite a nice different way to 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 look at it um, coming from, from a slightly different angle but we've all been through the same thing but we've all counted it or charted it in, in a slightly different way um, and i thought that was, that was a good good way to look at it sometimes the shoes aren't going to exactly fit everybody um just just you know obviously uh, spot on but um yeah i think um i think emotional intelligence is, is really important you know even things such as in there you know thinking about self-awareness and that's not only just awareness of you um, your strengths your weaknesses um how you're feeling but also being aware of others as well others around you you know you see you know people maybe just having a having a difficult time or they're really happy or whatever whatever emotions they're showing just being able to think okay are, are, are certain things to say or do or or appropriate at that, at that time and i think that that's really really important and again it comes coming back to what we said earlier really about being in sort of team team situations whether that's in in or out of the workplace again understanding other people knowing what what makes them tick how they work what how you can get the best out of people is, is really really um really really important so um yeah I could go through all the different areas of, of emotional intelligence but i think there's a couple there which i said just sort of stick out in my mind you know which which are fairly uh, fairly um, important i think but um, yeah i think it's very very important skill to understand i think it's something that people um certainly if sort of speaking personally something i've probably developed so much more from the different roles and workplaces that i've worked in because you you work with so many different people and you pick up those things and that helps you in terms of maybe where you are at this moment in time in your career. Obviously, you're going to learn things as you go through. But yeah, the more you can pick up, the more you can learn as early as possible. But others, I think, is really important. That's that's great, John. And something again at the Sixth Form College today I was talking about to the students. I mentioned the staff room and I said it to a couple of the groups in the staff room this morning, yes, there might have been a bit of talk about what people were doing at work today, but lots of the stuff is what's going on around people's lives. And I try to get them to think when you're working, unless you are completely working on your own, and that's incredibly rare these days. You've mentioned working with teams, working with colleagues. They're all people. They've got other things going on. They've got lives outside of work. They've got stresses. They've got challenges. They've got ups and downs. 
And actually being aware of what the people in your team are going through is going to make you one much more willing to kind of support them, do some stuff, realize why things are maybe as they are and be able to genuinely kind of move things forward. That element of empathy. I also think I talk to people a lot about having some kind of personal filter, knowing when is the right time to step in and say things, when's the time to actually bite your lip and say, if I said that, even though I'm thinking it now, that's not going to be well received. Dave, what, what's your take on emotional intelligence in the workplace? It's become more important over the last 10 years, and it's going to become even more important over the next 10 years because of one of the things we're going to talk about in a minute, Ben, but if you think when we started working in finance, it was very, very easy to hide in a finance function and you could hide behind big spreadsheets and you could hide behind lots of process-driven work and you could become technically an expert through doing all of that process-driven stuff. I remember inputting invoices into staff and building big spreadsheets and analysing cash books manually. Most of that work is now done automatically. Most of it's automated. So the real skill of us as accountants is working with other people. And we talked earlier about communication skills and being able to communicate and understanding how people best take on that information. And I know personally as a manager, having been a manager and also having been managed, something that really upsets people is when you give them a horrible job to do and just expect them to get on with it. And recognizing, I know this is going to be difficult. I know you're going to find it challenging. I know it's not the most straightforward thing. I apologize for that, but it does need to get done. Are you okay with that? And managing people's expectations is something that can make those those jobs that we know have to get done, that we know are horrible, but we can do it in such a way that people don't feel that they've just had work dumped on them. And it's just little things like that, recognizing that, how people may interpret things, how people may feel about things and acting accordingly. I think it's so important. Now we, our jobs are all going to be about about dealing with people because so much of the transactional work has been taken away. I think it links so nicely onto the next one. So in the world of digital, lots of employers, there's lots of talk if you listen to the radio and the news about artificial intelligence at the moment, isn't there? And at the moment... There are really, really clever computer brains that can make decisions. I'm yet to be convinced that they are feeling any form of emotion or empathy as they are doing it. And that's a big, unique human skill. And I hope that we never get to the position that that's replaced by machines because that's what makes us individually human. Our ability to feel emotions, to have highs and lows, good days, bad days. Um, Machines don't get that. And they therefore can't have that level of empathy, that level of support. But it does segue us very nicely into number four, which is a very important skill in the modern workplace and the modern world, digital skills. Now, that's such a massive term. We've run at least three podcast sessions just on digital skills over the last couple of years in isolation. Plug, go back and listen to previous episodes of the podcast. But um, John... Very briefly, what are some of the digital aspects that you are now bringing into the Apprenticeship Impact Skills Programme? Yeah, so we're, we're looking at um, sort of one, one unit in particular looks at, we call it digital uh, digital data and visualisation uh, module, a unit, and that, that looks at um, doing, doing a little bit of work uh, on Xero um, and using that as a, an accounting uh, software uh, to... to um, to, to extract some data and then and then we use Excel to um, analyze that data and and and, and then uh, we then use Microsoft PowerPoint to put together a PowerPoint presentation and present that data to um, to 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 the other people within within the room and, and myself and hopefully a couple of colleagues that, that come in normally for those uh, for those sessions so so three sort of key uh, key um, programs really that are really really important um, are going to be important for for people um, to use and, and a lot of people have you know have good skills in those already but it's really trying to fine-tune it down into getting to you know we talked a little bit earlier about again the communication skills of of visual and visualization you know what actually are the most important appropriate things to be sharing um to be to be showing to be analyzing uh, but you obviously look at so much data 
if you don't pick out some of the key things, the key facts and figures that that, that are going to be needed or required, then actually really some of it is going to be lost and, and quite frankly, probably quite use, useless. So um, we really try and drill down into as much as, as we can that is that is um, uh, as important as possible to get it, um, uh, you know, to, to, to get the most uh, most out of, uh, out of what, what we're doing. Um, but uh, yeah, I think I think those guys, as you said, it's such a broad area. There's so much you know we can you, we can cover. But uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to move even more quickly than probably what it has at this at this stage. And I'm sure we'll we'll be adapting things going forward. But uh, I think it's a really really key thing to be involved with. And obviously we're, we're trying to obviously adapt our digital programs and things that we're running now for footprints and, and others. So uh, yeah, I think it's something that will will obviously continue to to move forward at quite a pace. One of the things we talk about a lot these days, and it does come in as well to the professional qualifications, as well as these impact skills, as well as things that very much is on the topic of conversation at work, and someone's actually just mentioned it in the chat box as well, is the link between data and information. And you might have seen in your studies, you might have come across the term big data. We talk about the volumes of data, just the sheer amounts of data that businesses have got that you would have access to tomorrow if you're going to work tomorrow, um, that's quite daunting. That's raw data. That's not actually useful management and business information. We also talk about the velocity of that data, the speed that that data is changing. Lots of organizations now monitoring stuff in real time. The days of writing up the ledgers at the end of the week and the end of the month are gone. This stuff is happening instantly. And actually, in the modern world, the technology can support that kind of instant data sharing. But again, that's maybe not useful management information yet. We talk about the variety of sources of that data, the fact that we can collect data on lots of different areas, traditional financial data to do with cash flows, to do with sales values, but also non-financial data that now come into the mix. We'll be tracking weather patterns alongside what's happening in our profit and loss so we can look at relationships and then plan for the future. That will really help give us information to budget and forecast. And we also think about the veracity, the reliability of that data. We encourage people to think about the sources of the data. Has it come from a reliable source? One of the big things that's come into the professional qualifications in recent years is a much bigger focus on skepticism. As another key skill, being skeptical and not just relying on, well, the data's there, so let's just print it out and use it. Be skeptical of where it's come from. Is it actually showing us what we want to do? That's turning it into management information. Dave, this is right up your street as a, a management accountant at heart. You must have lots of examples of people using management information and using digital platforms now to kind of access it, report it, analyze it. Absolutely. Digital skills are something that are really important, but I think people are scared of them. And I think a lot of people that have not dealt with our current wave of digital technologies and have maybe been working for 10 years or so are a little bit scared about what the technology is going to do to their jobs. And the reality is it will eat their jobs up. And they probably won't have that job in five to 10 years time because that technology is coming and it is going to take their jobs away. Now, what we need to make sure that we're aware of as professional accountants is we need to understand what the what the technology does. And a lot of the time it's understanding what that technology does and where do we sit? Because there's still a vital role for finance professionals. But that vital role is sometimes understanding the outputs of whatever the digital product is. Sometimes our role as accountants is understanding where the flow of data should be and understanding what kind of digital system should be used, not how to implement it. We're not programmers. We're not data scientists. Okay, we are still accountants. We've still got really valid skills, but we need to understand what those products are that enable us to take, as you said, the raw information and turn it into really meaningful, meaningful data that we can interpret and we can um, uh, uh, and we can use it to base good decisions on. Back to decision making. The other thing that I think as as people coming into the industry we can bring is we've got really good data. We've got really good digital skills because we've grown up 
with the being connected for you and i ben the internet came along in our teens probably and it's something we had to learn as part of you know our, our growing up alongside our work but people are coming into businesses now and they were born online and that knowledge is vital for some of the firms we work with the fact that you understand you know what google's algorithm does is something that loads of people don't understand. So you bring with you lots and lots of really valuable digital skills that businesses need. And I think my final thought on those digital skills is they, they complement the other skills so much, don't they? The fact that we're hosting this platform tonight, we're communicating, but we're using digital technology to just leverage the power of that communication. We're able to broadcast around the world. We're able to record it and capture the audio that we can re-release. I think sometimes people see this word digital and look for it in itself without realizing actually this overlaps with all of the areas using digital technology to solve problems instead of me having to do trial and error seven times to come up with an answer. Actually, can I use a digital platform that will do that behind the scenes with no loss and no impact, but tell me what the right decision is. But it's still in my very simple brain relies on somebody telling it what to do and interpreting the information at the end, putting that information in and extracting it out. And while that's still there, we're all still going to have jobs. Um, last one, gentlemen, I'm conscious that we are up against the clock for the last one of our five. But the fifth one that we picked this evening was professional relationships. John, very quickly, what sorts of things do you see in your workshop sessions around building, forming professional relationships? Yeah, I think we've touched on um, on it already, really, in terms of when we talked about communication, we obviously mentioned teamwork. Um, I think one of, one of the absolute um, things I really enjoy and one of the strengths, really, of the programme is that lots of people come from all different backgrounds and, and different levels of, uh, of experience. Um, and yes, we said earlier about sort of pitching in and picking the different, you know, units and that that you might what wish to do. But um, it, this is something that I think is is absolutely fascinating. And, and you see people come along, they don't know anybody in the room. They, as I said, maybe confidence is low. They're quite nervous. They're, they're maybe not, not quite um, forthcoming necessarily in getting too involved in, in conversation and things early on. And yet they turn up three or four sessions later and they know many people within the room and, and they're obviously building those those relationships and those uh, and that with the, those friendships with other people which is which is fantastic and obviously again as we said previously there's so many things you work with so many different people throughout your career that it's such a, a an important skill to be able to build relationships with with everybody that you that you come across you know yes not everybody's going to be um sort of your, you know people's cup of tea as such but but it's really important that we're able to understand them, get on with them, work with them. Um, and we all do that for, for the benefit of, of ourselves and the team and the environment that we work within. But uh, yeah, just so just sort of going back to the first point, really, in terms of yeah, people coming and not necessarily knowing other people. I think that the strength of the program is when they, they get to form those relationships, work with other people. And we've, we've seen it as well with, with them going through maybe two or three different levels of the apprenticeship. Um, and then they're working with with people who they've been with for the last three to four years is is fantastic. So, yeah, very very key uh, skill uh, to finish off with. And it's also something I was talking to the the sixth form students today about. They are labelled Generation Z, and one of the things that Generation Z are going to be known for and notable for is their connectivity. They are an incredibly connected group of people. That's been leveraged by digital platforms. They've been brought up with social media. They are very connected. They will know other people. They will form those connections. Dave, you would be really impressed. I asked the show of hands in each of the, the sessions I did, how many people at the age of 17 and 18, the guys I was talking to had already got LinkedIn accounts. And I would say, actually, there was at least a third of the hands went up, if not slightly more in every session I did today. So they're already aware of the need to build connections, to build relationships, we talk about business partners increasingly more and more, don't we? And I wonder if you would like to just finish off our talk on, on professional relationships, Dave. Yeah, it's something if you look at, again, anyone that has a degree of success within their career, you tend to find that they have a way of working with other people. Uh, and it's never the same. But what I found is that the, the more senior that you get 
through an organization, generally the more people that person knows uh, and th th their network of people that they have relationships with is huge. And it's not just within the business, it tends to be outside the business as well. So sometimes, you know, we can go back to any of the skills we looked at earlier, but digital was the last one. If you, as a finance professional, don't understand the impact that artificial intelligence is likely to have in your job, that's not a problem if you know someone else that can give you the answer. And that's where the real value of professional relationships is. We're not expected to have all the answers. I definitely don't know, have, know all the answers, but I've got a pretty good idea of who I could contact if I had an issue about something. So I'm I'm putting together a panel of, of people that work in the pharmaceutical industry um, to talk about finance and the pharmaceutical industry. And I know three or four people that I can I can reach out and I can ask questions of because I've built those networks and I've built those relationships with people. And that's something that is really helpful when, when it does come to to forming and building your career. Fabulous. So I encourage the people I was talking to today to seek out those connections to ask to meet other people, to introduce yourself to other people, to build that network around you. And I know we've talked on other episodes of the podcast about professional networking and building your own network. Um, please go back and listen to that episode if it's something that you think you would like to develop further. Um, John, thank you so much for coming on board with the podcast. Um, you can certainly call yourself a friend of the podcast if you come back and do a second episode for us at some point. We'd love to have you back. So we look forward to that, hopefully at some point in the future. Thank you very, very much. It leaves me to do the wrap up this evening. So I'm going to say thank you for the live group of students that have logged in. I'm also going to say thank you to the podcast listeners. Um, I hope you've found this episode entertaining as well as informative. Um, please continue to download the episodes. Go back and check out the back catalogue. Please share the link to the podcast with other people that you think would be interested to listen. Any friends, any colleagues, anyone really that you think would get benefit from any of the sessions. That would be fantastic. If you would love to write a review for us, we would really appreciate your feedback on the podcast, on the episodes. But um, thank you all very much, and I look forward to speaking to you on another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum podcast. 